Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Today you have Brian, Jeff, and Alan. And Jeff, I'll start with you. Good morning. I look forward to talking about a subject that's really often misunderstood by the world. True. Uh, and partially, I think, because the, uh, as we'll kind of get into it, the English word that we have, uh, you know, carries a certain, uh, you know, meaning for us today. But when we encounter it in the Bible, the underlying Greek can be uh, kind of different and challenging for us. Absolutely agree with that. And Alan, so we'll let our listeners know we're going to be talking today about love. And it is a subject where oftentimes the world, when they think of love, they think of affection and those kinds of things. But as you'll point out, and we'll talk about in this podcast, the Bible teaches us that divine love is much more profound than a simple physical type of love, right? Yeah, that's an excellent point. We all know that when God created us in the Garden of Eden, he created us in his image and after his likeness. Unfortunately, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and selfishness took over, uh, love began to change into something that was a lot more selfish. And unfortunately, the love that exists in heaven and the love that exists on earth are now very different things. And so the Lord had to come down to this earth and he had to try and help us understand that there that love is so much more than the human word. And it, it was interesting if you look at the uh, etymology of words. Prior to Jesus taking this word, which we now know as agape love, they only had one word for love too. Their, their word for love mirrored ours exactly. When we speak of loving a person or we speak of loving an activity, we are expressing the fact that it gives us pleasure, that we enjoy it that it makes us feel a special way. And that's all that love meant for them. And Jesus actually had to give an entirely different perspective. And much of the New Testament is designed to do a concordance search. There's a lot of things that are said about this term. And so Jesus actually had to give a brand new commandment in order to help us understand the distinction between what we mean when we say, I love you, and what God meant when he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, Alan, do you think the choice of Koine Greek was done for, because A, it's a frozen language, right, that doesn't change, but B, so that it helps the Holy Spirit to be more specific with terms like love? Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's all part of the, uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The fullness of time refers to the fact that Rome had roads everywhere, there was peace everywhere, there was a language that was available to everyone, and so the gospel could move as quickly as possible. But another facet of this is that the the Greek language is such a a logical language. It is a language where the endings of the words leave very little ambiguity. You know exactly what the Holy Spirit, what kind of action he is after, what kind of 
responsibilities and obligations he is giving to us. And so a lot of times the grammar in Greek is just as important as the word definitions. And that's why these newer translations, you know, they really do us a disservice when they don't give that to us. Yeah, Alan, a few moments ago you used the term new commandment. And for our listeners, that might trigger the memory. There is a passage over in John uh, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, where that language is used. Let me go ahead and read that. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, you might not be able to tell in the English, but I did a really quick look up with an interlinear, which gives the, you know, the underlying, you know, Greek words underneath English. And every place in those two verses where the word love occurs, that is the, the Greek term that we're introducing, agape, love. And it's kind of interesting, you know, kind of when you look at that, you know, first of all, honestly, I'm a little surprised that this is a quote unquote new commandment, you know, brand new, you know, not really, you know, having been given before. And it's also very critical. Uh, it's going to be a, a sign or a signal or a evidence, if you will, of his disciples, that the kind of love, agape love that we have for one another should mirror the kind of love that uh, he had for us. And that can kind of be challenging, I suspect, when we look at our you know, fellow Christians, and, you know, they're kind of imperfect, like we're imperfect, but still, they do things that, you know, upset us, or get us angry, or etc., uh, or, or disappoint us, and having that kind of, you know, as you said, self-sacrificing kind of love, is kind of a challenging on, on our part to act that way. Yeah, you know, Jeff, it's interesting, even though Jesus called this a brand new commandment, I kind of get the sense that he did so because he wanted them to think about love in a way that maybe they had never thought about it. You know, in a, prior to what you just read, Jesus was under attack a few days prior to that uh, by the Pharisees. And he said over in Matthew chapter 22 at that time, beginning in verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here, you know, he's talking about these two great commands that were given in the law of Moses. So I guess in that sense, they weren't new, but both of these centered around love. And Jesus also went so far as to say that these commands were so all encompassing that everything that he would be teaching. Well, everything that was under the Old Testament could also be placed in the New Testament and should be understood. So, Alan, I think as you'll get into more, love is really this binding principle behind every law and precept under the old law, even though maybe they didn't think about it that way, and certainly is under the new and extends out to things like rebuke and, and a call to repentance and those kinds of things. Yeah, that's a that's a very astute uh, understanding there. Let me give our listeners a little bit of a clue as to where we're going. Uh, the real purpose of this podcast is to take us over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we are given an inspired definition of this new word, agape love. But before we get there, I wanted to help our listeners to understand the nature 
of what Jesus was trying to accomplish here. And even in this uh, statement in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he reveals something that no one could have ever picked up on before, and that is that every command in the Old Testament, books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what we call the Law of Moses, every command in the Law of Moses is summed up by this word. Agape love is so big, so all-encompassing, that Jesus can say there's not a single thing in the law or the prophets, not a single rebuke that Amos made, not a single command that was given, not a single prophecy that was given in the book of Isaiah. Every single thing that is in the law and the prophets is based on this agape love. And so he's already given a hint of where he wants to take this. But then we go back to John 13, and he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so what we see is there is a very objective standard now. If you notice the difference between what he said in Matthew 22, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Well, how do I understand that? Because what exactly does he mean, all of my heart or all of my soul? And so Brian might have one understanding of that. Our listeners might have an entirely different understanding of that because it's based on what's in my heart and in my soul. And the same thing with the second command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as much as I love myself is how much I can love you. Well, that's not high enough. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you love one another as I have loved you. So now we have the Son of God, the Word who became flesh, the Word who came into this world in order to die for our sins. Uh, as he will tell the disciples a little bit later in this discussion, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And Paul picked up on that in uh, chapter 5. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die, and peradventure for a good man. But God commands his love. In other words, he puts our his love up on a billboard where we can see it, and that while we were sinners and enemies, Christ died for us. So when we look at loving one another as Jesus loved us, what does that mean? Well, every time I take the Lord's Supper and I think about the great sacrifices that Jesus gave for me, well, there's my marching order. I need to make those same sacrifices for others. And when Paul spoke of, of pressing on, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and stretching forward to what lies ahead, when we start to understand the tremendous changes that God is asking of us by this word agape love, and yet, what do we learn? We learn that God is love. We learn that God so loved the world that he gave his son. We learn that Jesus loved his friends so much that he laid his life down for them. Now I have a, a, a basic understanding. I have a template. Like Paul told the husbands in Ephesians chapter 5, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died for the church. And so when I'm measuring my love for my wife or my love for my brethren, then I have to measure it on the scale of Jesus dying. And so the sacrifices of agape love are far greater than the sacrifices of human love in most people's minds. 
And so when I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he talks about love and love being patient and kind and love not taking account of evil. And where's my standard? I have to love to that degree to the level where Jesus loved. And so what we're trying to introduce this topic to our listeners to help them understand the profound nature. This is the love that exists in heaven. This is the love that the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus and the angels are all exhibiting to one another. They never do anything to take something from someone, to harm someone, to be rude or awful to people. And so this is going to be the characteristic of all Christians that makes them so different from people in the world. And that's why Jesus can say, everyone, you will know you're my disciple if you act under this kind of love. Well, and I'm reminded of something that Paul said over to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'll go ahead and read, I'll probably about, let's start verse 17 through verse 19 of Ephesians 3. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, there, there's our topic, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, certainly that passage in particular and some of the other things, Alan, that you've been talking about is certainly a, what we might call an upward call or a challenging call or, or something that we should strive for, you know, as we, you know, learn and grow and try to mature as Christians. You know, it's in some ways not an easy concept because we, we tend to be self-centered, sometimes even, you know, selfish. But if we, as you say, pause and kind of look at Christ and his life as the example or the model, you know, the way he acted, uh, who he, the kinds of things he said, the way he responded to people, etc., uh, and the kind of, again, self-sacrificing kind of love that he was willing to go through, you know, if we can see it in Christ's life, well, now we have kind of a, a pattern or an example. And that in some ways, Christ and his you know, attitudes, his teachings, etc., can, you know, dwell within us, you know, form our minds and our thoughts and our actions, only if we are indeed kind of in some ways, like a tree that's rooted in this concept of love, or, or like a like a building, kind of you know grounded on on this foundation of love, this agape love, uh, and that you know really only when we you know can see Christ's example and really understand that kind of love can we begin to you know comprehend just how. Big it is, you know, or, or at least according to the uh, the language in Ephesians, the the width, the length, the depth, the height of it being as uh, you know large and, and all all foundational and and all all encompassing. Yeah, appreciate that point, Jeff, because Jesus was certainly the living example of love, wasn't he? He was, you know, someone. If we just looked at how he lived his life, how he treated others, he was absolutely that model of love. And you know, John takes this concept kind of a step further uh, when he says over in 1 John chapter 4, 
beginning in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so, you know, whenever I read that section of scripture, it really makes me think that we don't really even understand this level of love because, you know, for us to sacrifice our sons if we have a son or for us to to have this divine love in such a way that you'd be willing to help or reconcile sinful man through your son, it's just very difficult to comprehend. And so we really, I guess Alan could say that we, we can't really comprehend the love of Christ if we don't have this understanding on how he and God loved us. Uh, But as this passage says, if we can truly learn to love one another like God loved us, like Jesus loved us, uh, then we can know God. And so anyhow, it can kind of be a difficult concept for us to grasp because it's a level of love that just takes some time for us to learn. Yeah, and that's exactly what Jesus was setting forth to his apostles. A new commandment I give to you. This command couldn't have been given before. It couldn't have been given before because Jesus had never come and shown us what it is that how people live in heaven. On earth, we are always looking at the things of others and the people, and we often see them as someone that can be used for our interests. But God is looking for ways to do things in our best interests. And so the true Christian is always looking for ways to help other people. He's always looking for ways to sacrifice himself for other people's. And and as uh, was pointed out earlier, this is not something that you're going to see in the world, and therefore people will know we're his disciples. And one of the beauty of Christianity, one of the, the most wonderful aspects of Christianity, which we're kind of seeing fading now from the world, but true Christians have greatly influenced the culture of uh, the, the, the people that we live among. And there's an unselfish care and concern in nations that are using the Bible and have Christians in their midst that you're not going to find in idolatrous cultures where people don't see this kind or even comprehend this kind of sacrifice, this kind of, I exist to be a blessing to you. So when we look at Ephesians 3, I just want to go back and talk a little bit about these two verses. He tells us that we have to be rooted and grounded in love if we're going to be able to comprehend the love of Christ. So basically what this passage is telling me is is that until I understand 1 Corinthians chapter 13, until I understand those 16 qualities that agape love will instill within us and give us. In other words, if we were to boil down or distill everything Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we could place it in the context of those 16 qualities that are described in 1 Corinthians 13. 
And so, but what this passage is telling me is, is that there's another element to this, and that is a comprehension and an understanding of Christ and in 1 John of God. So when I'm able to comprehend 1 Corinthians 13, when I'm able to start making practical applications, when I start seeing that I'm never rude anymore, that I'm always patient and kind and gentle to other people, I'm always making sacrifices for other people, I'm always putting their needs above my own, when I'm listening to them, I'm not going to allow impatience or frustration or irritation, because those are the essence of agape love, and that's what we see in Jesus' life with his apostles, and even with his enemies. He was he was strong with them sometimes, but he was never rude, he was never angry, he was never mistreating them. So, in order to know the love of Christ, so we can love as he loved us, we have to understand the basic concepts of it. And, and the same thing is true in this passage in 1 John. Let us love one another, for love is of God. He's a source of love. Outside of God, people couldn't even comprehend love, and they don't. People who are not connected to God, who do not know Jesus Christ, they do not understand this type of love, because everyone who loves like this is born of God and knows God. And and then he goes on to say, if, if you don't understand the concepts of 1 Corinthians 13, and I don't mean comprehend by the, in the sense of being able to explain what they mean but comprehend in the sense of doing them, then we don't know God, because God is love. Every aspect of God. Jesus told us in Matthew 22 that the entire Old Testament law, all of those laws, the Ten Commandment laws, the the first four, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you will never take his name in vain, and you will never not honor him. And you will never uh, have any graven images or anything that you would put before him. But then the second part of of the Decalogue is that you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. I mean, these are things that we, when we're acting in the best interest of others, they make perfect sense. They're not something we have to fight. They're not something that we have to struggle to do. It's, it's a part of our innate character. And that's what agape love will do to us. Agape love will lead us to perfection. It will lead us to an understanding of God, and not just an understanding of God, but an ability to imitate him, and an ability to bring heaven back into the earth, to bring the divine nature back into us. And it's amazing that the scriptures, a book, can bring you and I directly back to the character of God, to the image of God, and it all centers on this agape love. If we go back to John 13, and we see Jesus saying, I give you a new commandment. But what's fascinating, and if you carefully read John 14 and 15, you will find that every New Testament command, every New Testament responsibility and obligation also fits under agape love. So he starts in John 13:35 saying a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, we understand a command. A command is something that must be done. A command is something that is a mandate. It is tangible. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. And so he will then go on to say 
Uh, Brian, would you like to read uh, John 14, 15, and then John 14, 21? Sure, here, uh, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then in John chapter 14, and verse 21, it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay. Now, let's remind our listeners that we have introduced this new term, agape love. This is divine love. It's not human love. This is a love that we don't have here on earth. And sometimes I appreciate the the Old King James Version because it translates it with the word charity. And so... A new commandment I give to you, that you have charity one to another as I have had charity toward you. Now, I realize that our minds have to ponder that, and it's a little bit difficult, but it might have been better if we could have found a word that would be exclusively used in the scriptures, because that's what this word is, and that's how the people... It's fascinating if you look at the Greek lexicons and you do a a study of this word... Basically, what we're told is, is that the Greek philosophers had no use for this term. They saw it as a weakness. Not only did they see it as a weakness, but they saw it as something that only people who should be looked down upon. These are not real men. These are not real women. These are people like slaves who exist to take care of the needs of others. And to the pagan mind, uh, sacrificing yourself for other people was only things that weak people did. And so Jesus here is trying to grasp or trying to help us grasp something. And then he makes this profound statement, if you love me, and again, this is agape love. This is not human love. This is not, oh, I feel so close to Jesus. I'm so thankful. I just feel a sense of joy and peace when I think of him. That's human love. Divine love forces me to keep his commandments. Divine love means I'm going to act in his best interest, and the only way I can act in his best interest, and the only way I can put his needs above my own, is to keep every single one of his commandments. And so, when we think we love Jesus, but we are not keeping his commandments, then Jesus is going to have to tell us something very sad on the judgment day. And that's what John 14:21 is saying. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So this love transcends emotion. This love transcends our understanding, and it basically forces us to understand that acting in the best interests of other people means that we have to set aside what we want to do and what we think in order to do what another person wants done, in this case, Jesus. So if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now again, divorce yourself from human love, because that's not what he's talking about here. This is divine love. This is the love of of sacrifice. Uh, Jeff, would you like to read John 15.10 and 15.12? Sure. So verse 10 if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then skipping to verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so once again, 
And I like John 15.10 because it moves from Jesus to us, and it helps us again to have an objective standard. Uh, And we have that same term, just as I. So in John 13.35, you love one another just as I have loved you. Now we see, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And I think we can all appreciate the second part. We all understand that Jesus had to die a perfect man. Jesus had to die without ever violating any of God's commands. Now, he didn't keep those commands on the perspective of, I have to do this in order to be right with God. He kept these commands on the basis of, I have to do this to manifest my love to him. And so he can manifest his love for me. And so if I keep Jesus' commandments in the same way that Jesus kept the Father's commandments, then I can abide in his love just like Jesus abided in the love of the Father. So again, we want to tie this back. I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that where we're heading is 1 Corinthians 13. And as we read all of the qualities in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're reading about keeping his commandments. We're reading about loving him and loving one another and loving God and knowing God and knowing Jesus and understanding his love. So if we can appreciate that when we come to 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to really be able to understand the importance of those 16 qualities that. The Holy Spirit attributes to this divine love. And we're going to be very surprised, I think, to see where this divine love will take us. Because under normal circumstances, we wouldn't we would not relate a lot of the things that are mentioned in that chapter to this love. And that's why I wanted to give this introduction. I wanted to start with Jesus saying, This is a brand new command. You've never seen it before, you've never heard it before, you couldn't even comprehend it until I came. To tell you this. So this is what we really want to understand about this love that you and I are striving with all of our heart to gain and manifest. Well, and as we've been saying, you know, if we really want to have Christ dwelling within our hearts through faith, if we really want to know what this love of Christ is that in many ways, you know, passes knowledge, you know, it's something that we really have to dig into, we have to focus on, and try to gain it. I mean, you know, as, as we read earlier, Ephesians chapter 3, that in some ways it's, it's definitely not an easy thing. You know, since, you know, to comprehend it, the, uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul, you know, uses these terms about, you know, the, the width and the length and the breadth and depth and the height, etc. And that in some ways it does pass knowledge, that it's difficult to acquire, but if we can that in some ways we, at that point, are in many ways like Christ, like God, kind of thinking the same way, kind of acting the same way, speaking the same way, you know, to ourselves and, you know, as you indicated, back to uh, God in terms of our behavior. You know, Alan, you, you had mentioned earlier about the, the lexicons. I, as you were talking, I kind of did a, just a really quick scan through a couple and yeah, you can see the uh, translators and the, the people who write dictionaries are kind of struggling with that term, at least in a try to come up with a succinct, you know, one word English equivalent. You know, you, as you said, with the, uh, the King James, you know, there's the word charity, affection, eh, goodwill, benevolence, 
love, uh, etc. And again, it's kind of uh, interesting to watch the uh, scholars sort of struggle with how to succinctly summarize, you know, a, a really quick definition. Now, certainly, as, as we've already hinted, you know, you can look at Christ and kind of get some sense of what it means to have this love. But I like the way you're kind of teeing up 1 Corinthians 13, because it'll actually give a number of, you know, attributes, a number of uh, examples, not quite the word I'm looking for, but behaviors that certainly we can then begin to kind of incrementally apply to our lives. Yeah, and that's really the goal of this. I just want our listeners to appreciate the wonderful opportunity that the gospel presents to us to start becoming like God. God is love, and that means God is everything in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He is all of the things that are mentioned there, and every one of those attributes is part of Christ, part of God the Father, and now through the gospel, through the wonderful teachings in the scriptures, through Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross. As I mentioned earlier, when I take the Lord's Supper and I appreciate his love, One of the applications, and I don't always make it when I'm taking the Lord's Supper, but one of the main applications that we do need to make is that the sacrifices he made on the cross are the same sacrifices that he would like for us to be making for others, all others, for our children, for our family, for our brethren, for the lost, for our enemies in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. Well, that's this, this word. Act in their best interest. Manifest all of the qualities of 1 Corinthians 13 toward them. And so if we can appreciate the value of love, then from time to time as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, and I'm saying 1 Corinthians 13, but it's only about four verses. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And so in these four verses, we have a compendium, a definition, an opportunity to love Christ, an opportunity to keep the commandment, love one another as I have loved you, an opportunity to know God. So these are the qualities. These are the things that we really need to look at and consider. I appreciate your focus on how divine love is one of God's characteristics. Certainly, Jesus reflected that as we talked about earlier. And so, you know, because divine love, as you're talking about agape love, is one of God's characteristics, if we really want to know and understand God at a deeper level, then we have to understand or seek to understand and master this new command, as you mentioned, right, about love. And I'll just reiterate two verses we talked about and read a little bit earlier, and that's over in 1 John Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, you know, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And then he says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if we want to know God, once again, we have to understand this love. And then he goes on in verse 8 to say, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So we might claim to understand love. Oh, I'm a loving person. But if we don't have the type of love that we're going to, once again, really take a hard look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this divine love and the characteristics associated with it, then we can't really claim to know God, right? Because as it says, God's very nature is this type of love. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so when we get to heaven, 
this is these are the this is the kind of person we're going to be recreated to be and when god makes all things new and so what he's given us here is an opportunity to begin to learn what we will ultimately have to be in order to spend our eternity with god this is the way things are going to be in heaven and the quicker we can learn to enjoy these things relish these things to become more like god because as i said when you read when we read first corinthians 13 there we're going to see some things in there that as i said they won't at first seem like these don't belong here this is not what my understanding of love is well that's because our understanding of love is based on human love and not divine love. Divine love just has another dimension to it. I won't say that human love is not part of this agape love, because it is. The ability that we have to enjoy being around other people, to feel good, to have a desire to help, and to enjoy the feelings of helping others and watching their gratitude and their smiles. And all of this is involved in God's character, but it goes much deeper. And so as we look at these two passages in Ephesians 3 and in in 1 John 4, and then we compare it to Jesus' words in Matthew 22 that the entire Old Testament law hangs or depends or is fulfilled in you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, soul, and mind, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. And so the next time I'm tempted to covet somebody or something someone else has, I need to realize that that law was put there so I could love that person. And that by feeling that those desires, I am no longer walking in love. I am no longer loving that person. And so this this is the most important facet of appreciating the the concept you know paul will say in first corinthians chapter 13 now abides faith hope and love these three but the greatest of these is love so love is greater than faith love is greater than hope love is the bond of perfection is how paul will put it in colossians chapter 3 that we should put on love, which is the bond. In other words, it ties perfection. It brings everything together. And so let's just go ahead, uh, before we end this podcast, let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And then let's talk a little bit about these qualities before we come back in our next podcast and really dig in to look at them all in much more detail. Brian, you want to read that for us, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? Here it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Okay, so... As you're reading that, think about Jesus. Think about God. God is love. So God has all of these characteristics. Jesus is love. He says to us, you love one another as I have loved you. So as we go through the Gospels, as we go through the life of Christ, as we go through the Old Testament, and we look at God's dealings with man, we see this love exhibited in so many ways. God's long-suffering, Jesus' long-suffering, and now my long-suffering. God's kindness and Jesus' kindness, and now 
I'm running after them to try to catch up. There's no envy, no jealousy, no sense of outrage or frustration when something good happens to someone else. Instead, we rejoice. He's just finished talking about that in the 12th chapter. When one member is honored, all the members rejoice. If one member is harmed, all the members suffer. So love does not see good fortune in other people and feel anything else but happiness and joy that such a good thing could happen to them. And so when we feel these, this sense of jealousy, this sense of outrage, or this sense of discomfort when good things happen to other people, that's not love. That is not love. And love does not parade itself. Uh, the Old Testament speaks of let another praise you and not your own lips. And so love is not bragging. It is not looking upon others, and it's not puffed up. Uh, There's no arrogance. There's no false sense of greatness, no false sense of importance, no false sense that other people exist to serve me. This is crucial. You know, it's been interesting to me over the last uh, 15 years, we've come up with a new word, a word that really wasn't used very much when I was a young man and when many people were younger, and that is this new word of narcissism. And narcissism means, I only care about myself. You don't have any needs. I can't see your needs. This is why a murderer can kill someone, because he doesn't see their needs. Uh, We could never do that. We could never take someone's life, and hopefully we could never take anything else that belongs to our neighbor because of this love. But we have a whole generation of people now who have not been influenced by Christianity who have not read the Bible, who have not been influenced by people who have been influenced by Christianity, and they're going back to the natural state of selfishness that many people have. And so this is, and again, I don't want to go too detailed into this, but verse 5, it does not, it's never rude, it's not selfish, it's not provoked, it doesn't get angry, it never, you can't provoke God to become angry unless you violate his commands and treat him. So, But we won't do that. We will not be provoked by the actions of others. We will leave it to God. Vengeance is God's, not ours. And thinking no evil, we don't put the worst motives on what people do. We put the best possible motives on what they do. We never rejoice when people commit sin, no matter how damaging it is to them or no matter how much good might come from it, sin, iniquity is a terrible thing. And loving the truth. Second Thessalonians, because they received not the love of the truth, that's why people perish. So we rejoice in the truth. And then finally, in verse 7, we love will bear all things. We endure. We endure no matter what people do. We turn the other cheek. We go the second mile. It's agape love that makes that possible. So many people today... You know, this is the heart of road rage. This is the heart of people getting angry because they can't bear all things. They are going to put the worst possible motive on what people do. And it's it's going to, it just creates a dangerous world. And we live in a dangerous world today because people don't love one another like the scriptures ask us to do. And so it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things because love never fails. It will never end. It will carry us right off into eternity. And so 
these are the qualities. When Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. When John said that God is love, and if we love, we know God, and if we don't love, we don't know God. Well, these 16 qualities is what we're talking about. This is the inspired definition of agape love. And Jeff's right. When the scholars try to give us a concept of what that word meant, well, it didn't have these meanings before the scriptures took it. And so there are no good ways to define this term except right here. So if you want, somebody says, what's the definition of agape love? Just read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and, and you've got it. It's interesting, Alan, you know, some of the uh, immediate application you were making to our modern culture. Because, you know, you mentioned road rage. You know, I'm kind of thinking, you know, people that tend to be selfish or what jokingly referred to as snowflakes, you know, this emotional meltdown, you know, when they don't get their way, pride, uh, you know, even in the political realm with, you know, cancel culture and slander and political strife or, you know, rioting and looting and arson, et cetera, all of that together, which we're, you know, as you said, seeing in our modern culture would effectively go away if everyone had the kind of love, biblical love, like we're referring to, where the other is more important than ourselves. Yeah, you know, it's interesting also, and this is the kind of, you might say, scary dynamic to love, is that, you know, as we look out in the world, we do see, as you mentioned, you both mentioned, the lack of love, right? Road rage, all those kinds of things. Yet as Christians, I think we would all agree that we can certainly fall into the trap of, well, you know, the world needs to get it together. I have all of these attributes. Well, I think as we'll see and, and we dig into a little bit deeper uh, next time, Christians and as just human beings in general, there's a good chance that we're not showing these attributes of love as the Bible defines them. So certainly look forward to uh, Alan being able to dig into those a little bit deeper. Well, as am I. Because if these things existed in the world, there wouldn't be any murder, there wouldn't be any crime, there wouldn't be any divorce, there wouldn't be any adultery, there wouldn't be any broken homes, because agape love would stop all of that before it could even start. And so the world clearly would be a much better place if everyone had these attributes. And of course, heaven will be a much better place because we all will have those attributes then. We will have the image and likeness of God again, and we will be people who do all of these things. And so it should be our goal and our aim to, as we go through these things, the most obvious ones that we're struggling with, we need to take careful thought. How am I going to change this? How am I going to become more patient with people? How can I be more kind? And how can I stop feeling angry and irritated at people when they get in our way or cause us to do things that... We don't want to have to do because of their weakness or their stupidity. Now I got to pay this price. And love doesn't think like that. Love doesn't talk like that. Uh, if anyone could have talked about the problems that other people created for them, it would be Jesus. Because we, we created all of the problems that Jesus had to deal with were created by us. And yet he came here to take care of all the problems that were created by us. He never got angry. He never reviled. He never uh, mistreated people. And so uh, we got our marching orders. And, and everything that Jesus did in the gospel, we can do. But it's going to start with these fundamental 
emotions and attitudes and decisions that we make in our minds. Well, Alan, thank you for sharing these biblical principles. And Jeff, I have a feeling uh, as you close things out that you can point our listeners to some additional information on the website between this episode and next one. They'd like to dig a little bit deeper prior to that. Um, certainly, and appreciate the, the introduction as well. So yeah, until the next podcast uh, comes out, uh, certainly we would encourage our listeners to go to uh, the Bible Questions uh, website that we sponsor, biblequestions.org. If you look under the topics uh, menu item, under L for love, multiple articles underneath there, including what is scriptural love, uh, an article called Bible Love, and the love of God. I might also mention, since we introduced this topic by tying love to commandments and keeping God's commandments, also under O for obedience. And even under Z for zeal might be a good place to look at the, the articles and especially the scriptures that the articles cite. Uh, again, like we always like to say, don't take our word for it. Certainly go back to your Bible, open it up, read it, and understand what it says. And then, as always, strive to pattern your life after it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, BibleQuestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.